Kristen, the biggest movie of the year, if not the decade, and possibly the millennium, is out. The Star Wars. Falcon. <laughs> the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> Episode 7. Yes. What is your earliest Star Wars memory? Oh, I remember this. You were alive when I was, Star Wars came out. I was alive. Out. I was quite young. I was about three years old. Oh, you were little. Yes. But I remember being in the backyard of my cousin, Matt and Mike, who are a little bit older than me. Okay. And they were Star Wars nuts. They were crazy about all things Star Wars. Boys who were a little bit older than you, of course. Yes, they loved Star Wars. And they had, you know, all the toys, the action figures. And I remember in the backyard with them, they were showing off their latest Star Wars figures. And they had all of them. And they had the Millennium Falcon. And they had, you know, C-3PO. But I just thought, where are the girl characters? Leia. This blows. Why don't you have any girl characters? And they're like, girls don't matter. <laughs> they did not say that to you. They, they pretty did not, much did. They, they did not boys. say girls don't matter. They don't care. They're boys. <laughs> they don't care. And I remember stomping off and stomping right into a giant pile of dog poo from their dog, Mandy. Oh, wow. Who was a standard poodle. She was very large. And I remember stepping in her dog poo and looking down at my Buster Brown shoes. Now even browner. Trying to scrape that poo off with a stick and in the grass and just shaking my head and saying, in my own little kid version of it, I freaking hate Star Wars. <laughs> okay, that's, that's that's my Star Wars memory, the earliest Star Wars memory I have. I feel that's an unfair association, but okay. <laughs> okay, I understand how these things go. I, you know, I was the perfect age for it. I was in grade school. I think I was nine going on ten when the first Star Wars came out. So I was, I was right in the wheelhouse, probably just like your cousins were. So we'll talk about that. We'll see if our childhood memories have an effect on how we feel about the brand new, first in a decade, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the new Tina Fey, Amy Poehler comedy, Sisters, in a minute. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Date. Kristen, let's begin with Sisters. Tell us what this story is about. Ah, uh, yes. We have Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. They're back again for the first time in several years. I believe yeah. the last time was Baby Mama yeah. when they were together in a 08, movie. 08, 09, somewhere in there. Yeah. So now they're a little bit older. They're both in their 40s. They're both adults. Tina Fey is a little bit more of a mess. She's a single mom who's chronically unemployed, doesn't really have a place to live. Her name is Kate. Yep. Alice. And as her slightly younger sister, Mara, we have Amy Poehler. She's a very type A personality. She gets things done. She's very persnickety. She's a goody two-shoes. She wants to help the person cross the street if they look even a little bit disabled. She's that person. And so we have the two of them now as adults, and they have to kind of team up and get back together again because their parents are going to be selling their childhood home. And they need to collect their things back in their old childhood bedroom. But while they're there, they think, you know what? Maybe we should have one last big Ellis sisters party, an Ellis Island extravaganza to beat all the parties we had in high school. And along the way, in addition to this big party, they have to reckon with who they are as adults, who they were as kids, and maybe sever ties with the past. Here's a clip. Are you serious? Because I am straight up baffled. I'm sorry? I believe you called this party a sad and desperate event. Well, I just figured I'd pop in and say hello to everyone. I mean, we're all adults now, right? I respect your jumpsuit, but not its contents. Hit it. Fine. I have another function to attend anyway. Besides, I flushed a tampon down your toilet. Your pad's all the way and everyone knows it. 
Now, Ray, for this movie seems completely directed at us and our generation. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Two it people does. in their 40s who are kind of grown-ups, but sometimes we're not exactly grown-ups. I mean, yeah. I, th- I think we're mostly grown-ups, Rafer, but maybe we're not. I don't know. Well, it's got a lot of good lines, as you would expect, that um, hit right in that 80s wheelhouse. Uh, there's a scene where uh, Tina Fey's character, Kate, is talking to a drug dealer played by uh, John Cena. And uh, she says he's got he, – John Cena has you know, every imaginable drug under the sun, including all this crazy-ass 21st century pot that we all know is you – know, will destroy your brain cells if you're not used to it. And she says, I just want some good old-fashioned 80s dirt pot, the kind you'd smoke at a Bengals concert. <laughs> and I just thought, that's perfect. These, these lines are just perfect. And, there, and there's, there's a, at least a good handful of those kinds of references to amuse folks like me. Yeah, and some 80s songs thrown in at the party, yeah. along with a, a mixture hip-hop. of very modern songs, too. They yes. have, like, what would be on the top 40 stations now, as well as what would be on the top 40 stations back then. Right. Uh, now, and, and Kristen, I know that you're a huge fan of both of these yes, uh, actresses. Um, what did you think of this? Well, I thought it was a great mix of good character and heart, awkward, almost I recognize myself too much in you sort of characters, uh-huh. and just ridiculous jokes. So I laughed a lot, and I also thought these are well-drawn characters, and, I, and I'm really enjoying them. And I also liked a lot of the supporting characters. We have Maya Rudolph as yeah. one of their teen teenage or childhood rivals we have diane wiest and james brolin playing the parents who want to move on to the next chapter of their life who are both great by the way oh they're terrific every time they were on screen they they're who i want to be when i'm 75 yeah they're great i want to live in that adult community with them and have sex all the time right that's all i want to do (laughs) right (laughs) yeah but i'm i'm sensing rafer that you didn't have the same love for this movie as i did no i didn't and in fact i i had a feeling going in that it would be not that great I could just sort of tell by the trailer and tell by the concept that it would not be that great. And I think it disappointed me by falling even below that standard to me. What? And I think the problem to me is uh, this movie is written by Paula Pell, who's also a Saturday Night Live veteran and has done, you know, she's like one of the you know more well-respected writers out there. But I feel like this movie has got very little script, very little story. And I don't feel like the characters are very well drawn. I, oh, I don't. I totally disagree with you. I, I, I didn't, and I don't feel like the characters are well drawn. And I don't feel like they suit each actress. I don't feel like Tina Fey is the right choice to play a hot mess. And I don't feel like the film quite figured out what her personality was. Is she the Randy hot to trot party chick? Because that's not really Tina Fey's vibe. And I and just putting her in a, in a uh, leopard print dress here and there wasn't enough to communicate to me the idea that she was this wild girl. Amy Schumer, okay, I can buy in that kind of role. Tina Fey, not so much. It's and called then, casting against type. Yeah, it doesn't work. It didn't, oh. it didn't work with Tina Fey, and it didn't work with Amy Poehler either, that she's playing the sort of uh, nurse social worker type who, like you say, wants to help everybody all the time. And it was kind of funny how she mistakes anyone who's disheveled for a homeless person. Yes. So that's kind of funny. But... Um, you know, Amy Amy Poehler as the goody-goody also doesn't really quite fit her humor. Well, what and her, about Parks and Recreation? She's been on that show for years, and that was her whole character, right? Yeah, I guess so. I felt like she was. I guess like she was better cast as this kind of this kind of sassy, trashy, uh, the baby mama character. Do you know what I mean? And I, I <laughs> or just, the mom and Mean Girls. Yeah, I just I didn't quite. It didn't quite work for me. Um, and I, I don't know that I, I didn't. The characters were well drawn. I, 
I disagree with you about the supporting cast. I thought they were all awful. I thought the you character- don't like Maya Rudolph. You already said you like Diane Weist, and you like James yeah, Brolin. I like those two. But I, I thought all the people at the party at the big party that goes that goes down. I thought all those characters were really irritating. Well, there's one in particular who's supposed to be irritating, and I think yeah. they have too much of him in it. They I do will have give you that. They do have. He's a the most too, irritating yes. guy in the world, and he's in the movie too much. Yes, he is. Um, I don't know. Somehow it just didn't come together to me, uh, for me. And I, I just, I didn't think it was ever that funny. And um, I don't know. I just, I, I was really, really disappointed in it. It seemed, it seemed worse to me almost than most of these One Last Party Aww. movies. And I'm sorry to say it. I thought it was, I thought it was not a very good date at all. Oh, Rafer, I'm so sad that you're saying that. Because I like, thought it was a good date. You thought it was like a good I date. I thought Sisters was a good date. Wow. I laughed out loud. I thought Sisters was a good date. Some good humor, some good heart, and... Regardless of what you say, Rafer, I think there was some good character in there, too. Okay. All right. Shall we move on to something that is from somewhere far, far away? What is it? A universe far, far away? It's a galaxy. It's a a galaxy. galaxy far, far away. Oh, that's right. A long, long time ago. Yeah, that's right. Somewhere out there. Oh, no, that's another movie. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course, we're talking about Star Wars, The Force Awakens. So as we were saying, uh, this is the seventh film in the the franchise, the first one since 2005. Huge deal since this was announced a few years back that Disney was taking over the franchise, uh, had purchased Lucasfilm for, I think it's $4 billion. Mm -hmm. So George Lucas is out. J.J. Abrams is in, the guy who did Star Trek. Uh, He's going to come in and do, I think, the same thing, revitalize this franchise, right? Some younger faces, new storylines. Give this uh, give this franchise a little uh, a little kick that it needs. A um, couple quick questions for you. What's your favorite Star Wars film out of the six? Oh God, that's like choosing my favorite Republican candidate right now, Rafer. What? I mean, come, come on. on. What really? do you mean? No, because you hate them that much. None of them were for me. None of them. And I'm not just talking about the dog poo story. Okay. <laughs> but I, I guess if I have to choose from the original six, yeah. Um, I guess the original Star Wars. The first one. The first, the first Star Wars, of course. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, and you were a fan back then too, right? Uh, I was a fan. And I'm not going to say I did not have the action figures and I did not play Star Wars in my backyard. But I thought it was um, a really great movie and fun and I had a great time in it and I loved going back to see Empire I thought Empire did something really new with the cliffhanger ending, oh, which... That was not new. It was lazy. But you'd never seen that before. Oh, you'd never gosh. seen movies with cliffhangers that just ended. I know a lot of people think that that's the best in the whole Star Wars universe, but that movie... Craft-wise, I might agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, although magic-wise, I still think it's the first. Um, and I'm one of the few people that hated Return of the Jedi. I hated Return of the Jedi, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why. Uh, that's why I hate. They were so cute. I hate. Maybe it. I'm changing my answer. Maybe maybe Return of the Jedi is my favorite. God, those you Ewoks would say were that. So cute. I hated they the would Ewoks. Hug them. Hug the heck out of those Ewoks if they were mine. Oy. So that drove me insane. Uh, and then, of course, I think as we all know, the 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 second the second set of uh, the prequels oh were um, were just Jar-Jar abysmal. Binks. And, uh, now is Jar Jar Binks your least favorite character? I also hate that Darth Maul. I also hate, I hate, you know what? I just hate everybody in those movies. I hate let's them all. Li- let's listen to Jar Jar Binks. No, I can't. No, I can't. The beans they were about? Crazy. 
We shall be robbed and crunched. That was fun. I'm embarrassed on behalf of everybody involved in that franchise. Everybody. All right. For me, the new Star Wars is a chance to wipe away, to, to, to clean out those prequels and Let's forget about them. Let's pretend they never them. happened. We I, all wanted to forget them immediately anyway. I kind of think we can now. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens. We're not going to reveal any spoilers. I know people who are on literal social media blackout because they don't want to hear any accidental spoilers or plot reveals. We will not spoil anything here. We'll just tell you that the story involves, as you probably already know, a woman, Ray, played by Daisy Ridley. She's a scavenger on a dusty planet, Jakku. Uh, she meets a uh, former stormtrooper named Finn, played by John Boyega. Uh, he has uh, taken off his helmet, stripped himself of his uniform. He, he doesn't want to be one of these killing machines any longer. There's a third character, Poe Dameron, uh, a resistance pilot, played by Oscar Isaac. Mm, Oscar Isaac. Love that Oscar Isaac. Yes. And, of course, we have front and center Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Here's a clip. Ah! Ah! We cannot run them! We might! Now, Kristen, as a non-fan of Star Wars, almost an anti-fan, it sounds to me, how did you like this? Did it bring you back into the universe and were you happy to be there? Well, I will say this. As much as I've been saying bad things about the Star Wars universe and how women and me, I, I never felt included in it. Mm-hmm. I felt very included in this one. Well, that's one of the great things about this movie, yeah. I mean, Oscar Isaac, Latino. Right. We have Boyega, who is black. Mm-hmm. We have Daisy Ridley, who's a woman. Yep. We have a lot of supporting characters who are women also. I shouldn't say a lot, but we have enough so that yeah. I feel that the future actually has women. Yeah. You know what I noticed um, is that, uh, well, you're right. Again, no spoilers. But uh, a while back, you had mentioned this idea, I think, from Gina Davis, who had said, you know, if you just change a name here and there, you could improve the quota of your female characters in a movie. It doesn't You don't have to give it to the, the main star even. You could just, if there's a senator who walks through, make it a woman senator. Yeah. And I feel like if this film... If it's General Jones, why does General Jones have to be a man? Exactly. And I feel like this film, in, in funny ways, uh, 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 I say funny because, again, I don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> but I do feel like this film does that here and there by, by giving, some, giving some of the characters to women. Yeah. And so I really appreciated that. And I will also say that the original Star Wars movies, despite all my criticisms, they did have some technological razzle-dazzle to them that oh, yeah. were really groundbreaking at the time. Of, yeah. of course, I grew up my whole life with that, so to me it didn't seem groundbreaking. It was just part of the way movies looked. But, right. But I know that that was groundbreaking at the time. And they do have some of that razzle-dazzle in this movie also. They also have enough of the nostalgia, I think, for people who love the original franchise. I know that we were at the same screening reefer, but I don't know if you remember how often people broke into applause when they just heard or saw something from the original franchise. Yes, of course. The first time we see the Millennium Falcon, everybody started cheering. Yes. The first time we see Harrison Ford and Chewbacca, everybody started cheering. Oh, yeah. This is not a spoiler, by the way. This is in a lot of the trailers and all the clips that are are, uh, pushed out there. It's all out there. So I'm not giving any spoilers when I say that. So there is that nostalgia element. There is that sense of I'm a fan and I'm being rewarded for being a fan for all this time. But I also think that in this new movie, it doesn't matter if you're a fan or not. You can actually just enter the Star Wars universe through this new movie, and you can feel welcome and you can enjoy the story, and you don't need to actually know any of the backstory. 
I think that's probably true. If you if you really were just uh, Star Wars free, uh, I don't know who the heck that would be, <laughs> but it's true. If you if you really just didn't know much about it, um, yeah, you 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 could walk in and get and get a sense of what's happening and not and not feel like you were uh, confused or being left out in the cold. Um, I would say that I think the presence of Harrison Ford gives this film its magic. I think I think it is what gives this film its heart, and and it, he he is our he is our link, obviously, back to the original Star Wars, along with Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill. Um, Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. We again, we all know he's in this film, um, but I think it's Harrison Ford front and center who makes this movie work, and I think Adam Driver, who plays Kylo Ren. Mm. He's our new villain, um, very much in the Darth Vader mold, again, as we've seen. Um, At first, you're going to think he is Darth Vader. <laughs> you're going to think, oh, Darth Vader's still alive? What but happened? He's, right, but he does something uh, original, original and unique and different, I think, with, uh, with his role, and I think something a little different within the Star Wars uh, universe that I liked, and I think he's really great, and I, th- I think he's also like a really crucial component to this movie. Um, again, as a Star Wars fan, the, my one objection to this is that it felt a lot like the Star Wars narratives that I've already seen multiple times in the past, and I really wished that they would have done something a little more original, a little newer with the story, um, not just the characters who, who are new and cool and intriguing, but with the plot and what's happening and and the goal of these characters. It's, it's always the rebel fighters trying it's, to... It's the same damn story. The and, dark side, we have to destroy it. Oh, you have the force, you can use it. And I mean, I know that, that, that some of these things have to be in a Star Wars movie, otherwise it's not a Star Wars movie. But I'm really just talking, again, without spoiling anything, I'm just talking about the mechanics of the plot and what the characters are doing that seemed to me a little tiresome. And so that was a beef of mine. And I wish that they had, you know, uh, gone off and done something a little, a little newer. I, I was happy to see Lawrence Kasdan, who's one of the screenwriters of Empire. Yeah, he was one of is, the originals. Right. Yeah. Is, he's back in this. And that's cool. Um, and Abrams helped uh, co-write it. But I, I wish they'd branched out a little bit more. I would say about this movie that it's entertaining I think it does a good job. It feels very Marvel Disney to me in a good way. It seemed serviceable. Serviceable. But it did not seem magical to me. Okay, this is very surprising because what I'm going to say is, as somebody who doesn't even like Star Wars, this was a very good date. Really? Yes. It's by far the best Star Wars movie ever made. I think that's not true. It has some of the magic. It has a lot of the humor. It has uh, a lot of the reasons why people love Star Wars, I understand when I watched this movie. It does, like, have, a, it does have a good I sense of humor. That's from Abrams, I think. I understand why people like this. Yeah. But I, I just don't understand what you're talking about, Rafer. Why, why it's did you serviceable? Think this, did you I think this movie think... was magical? Did, this, did you really think this movie had magic in it? It had a little bit of magic. But also I will concede that because I hated the last Star Wars movies so much, <laughs> I might not be the best critic on this one. All right. I will concede that. But – in my experience, there's no better Star Wars movie than The Force Awakens. Wow. Yep. Okay. I to me, I just I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's saying that that the that Paul McCartney's latest album is better than anything <laughs> the Beatles ever did. But okay. Okay. <laughs> I I And you I, like wings. We've talked about this. You love silly love. Songs. I do. I like wings. Come on. Um, but they're not the Beatles. Okay. So I say good date. 
You say great date, very good date. You said very serviceable good. date. Yeah, I think it's I think it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good the way a good Avengers movie is good. Mm. And that's kind of about it. No, it's better than an Avengers movie. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say it. All right. That's our Star Wars talk for now. But stay with us because when we come back, we're going to be talking a little Dolly Parton and a little listener mail. I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. And Rafer, we sometimes get some listener mail, and occasionally we actually get around to reading it on air. We do read every letter, by the way, that comes in, though. We love it when you guys write to us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast or at moviedatepodcast.org. We love it when you write us. We love your phone messages that you call in uh, at 5717movies. We love all of it. But let's actually read some of those messages, Rafer, that we've gotten recently. Yeah, we've got uh, a, a few uh, a few letters, uh, a few cards and letters that came in. Um, and uh, and last week we've been talking about uh, Master of None, uh, the Netflix series starring Aziz Ansari. Uh, Kristen and I were both uh, fairly down on it. Uh, I was I was resoundingly negative, and I think Kristen was a little a little less so. I think she I think she found some bright spots in it that I did not see. Um, but neither of us gave it a real rave. And we got a few objections from people. Uh, here's one from Jill. She's a longtime listener. She wrote to us on uh, Facebook.com slash Podcast. I have to urge you two to give Master of None more of a chance. I know the acting is a little clunky, but that adds to the charm for me. Check out two more episodes, Nashville and Old People. There is a tiny plot point in Nashville that cracked me up, and Old People made me cry a little. If you still don't like it after that, I will concede defeat. Okay, Ooh. that's from Jill. Uh, still in China, she that's says. That's a great endorsement. Wow. Uh, that is a great endorsement. And uh, here's another one from uh, Alex from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Alex says, thinking you guys should follow through with Master of None. I feel your assessment was hasty, and there are plenty of comic subtleties that aren't forced, and it definitely scratches deeper than the surface on real generational issues for this age group. Mm. So one more objection there. Uh, One last little point from Michelle. Uh, This is just kudos to you, Kristen. Michelle writes, I'm listening to the November 20th podcast, and Kristen said that some listeners have commented on Kristen getting off her feminist high horse every once in a while. Please stay on that high horse. Ride it all the way into Hollywood. Your feminist view is so valuable and probably my favorite part of the podcast. Holiday high fives to both of you. Oh. Thanks, Michelle. That is so nice, Michelle. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone who wrote in. Uh, we love to hear from you. We love to get uh, your uh, reviews, your anti-reviews. <laughs> uh, we love it all. Thanks very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now, Rafer, are you in the mood for some stretchy pants? You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. Am I the Queen of England? I don't know. Does the Queen of England only wear sweatpants? When you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. Rafer, these stretchy pants have been on for like three weeks now for me. I put them on on Thanksgiving and they have not come off since. Yes! Stretchy pants. And yet you look so svelte. That's because they're a slimming black. <laughs> That's why they have so those, those, those wide vertical stripes. <laughs> and there's that zipping section on the side so I can like expand them a little bit more. Like that luggage when you're on vacation that after you buy a bunch that's of right. stuff, you can expand the suitcase. The band roll waist, I think that's called at uh, 
one of those catalog companies. Okay. So tell us what's on tap for this week. So this week we're talking about Coat of Many Colors. My favorite song that I've ever written tells a true story from my childhood about a little coat that my mama made for me. And, of course, she called it my coat of many colors. Back through the years, I go wandering once again. Back to the seasons of my youth. Rayford, do you know about Coat of Many Colors? This is the Dolly Parton movie, yes. made for television movie. Yes, from NBC. NBC, um, a little over a week ago, broadcast this, and it was gangbuster ratings for the millions and millions of people tuned in. It was their best Thursday night rating since the finale of ER. That tells you how wow. long it's been since they've had ratings like this. Wow. Amazing ratings. And so this is going to be rebroadcast on Christmas, and it's available right now on Hulu, so you can see Code of Many Colors right now. And, Rafer, you and I are both big Dolly Parton fans. I love Dolly oh, Parton. I don't think Dolly. I'm as huge a fan of hers as you are. But Probably not. Few I am a people fan. are. I love that Dolly. I love her so much. And I got to hug her once. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I oh, hugged wow. her in the bathroom here at WNYC once. Oh. Oh, my gosh. It was special. She That's was nice. tiny. I bet she's a great hugger. Oh, she's a great hugger. And she looks you in the eye and calls you honey. Oh. And you're her sweetheart. And you know it in your heart that you're her sweetheart. Yay. Oh, she's wonderful. I just love her. <laughs> Anywho, so Code of Many Colors is a song of hers that I've always loved. And she says it's her favorite song that she's ever written. It's about growing up in the Smoky Mountains as a very poor child. Her family has... Oh, somewhere between eight and ten children at the time that this wow. s- song is uh, taking place. And Dolly is one of the younger children. And she has very little. She, you know, she has hand-me-downs. She sometimes doesn't have shoes. Her family is living in a two-room shack. Yeah, it's she's not got easy. quite a backstory, she's Dolly. She's got quite a backstory. And so in the song, Coat of Many Colors, her mom sews her a coat made out of just old rags. Because mm-hmm. they don't have anything else to make a coat out of for her. And little Dolly's growing up and she needs a jacket. So... Her mom tells her this great story while she's sewing it all together about Joseph and his coat of many colors and how every single stitch that I'm putting in there is sewed with love. And this will give you the same love, the same respect that Joseph had. She wears the coat to school. The other kids make fun of her, think she Uh. looks shabby. She's wearing a coat of rags, not a coat of many colors. They try to tear her coat apart and she runs home crying. So that's a real story that Dolly Parton experienced when she was growing Jeez, up. Jeez, you're getting me all choked up. I know. Kristen. It's very emotional. God. Okay. And if you visit Pigeon Forge today, you know, she grew up there and there's where Dollywood yeah, that's is right. and so on. Dollywood. Yes. And so they rebuilt her house so that you can go visit her old childhood house, a replica of it. And then right by the house, in protected plexiglass, is her original coat of many colors she had as a child. No kidding. Ugh. Aren't you getting all emotional yeah. just thinking about this? Yeah. You want to go down to Pigeon Forge right now with me, don't you? I am. But I'm also thinking of that large house and the jerk <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why. But anyway, okay. Just to add a bit of levity there. Okay. But keep going. All right. So this made-for-television movie, Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors is the full title, which aired on NBC and which is going to continue to air, tells this whole story. But it also expands the story a little bit. So it's more than just that one incident. We learn more about her family. We learn more about the fact that, to quote her parents in the movie, we can't seem to wash our clothes together without getting in a family way. I mean, they're just like always (laughs) pregnant and always having kids. It's a good line. So they have some good one-liners in this. They have some very touching and family-friendly moments. I think some people are going to think it's overly Christian. There are a lot of biblical references in it. Okay. But I think other people are going to be really happy. Jennifer Nettles plays the mom in this. She's a country singer. Of course, from uh, uh, Sugarland. Yeah, and then 
dad, Ricky Schroeder. Oh, my God. Yes. Ricky Schroeder as dad. Has that happened? Ricky yes. Schroeder's that old? Yes, he is. And and I think he's very charming in this. Sure. And, and the little actress who plays Dolly Parton is named, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong, Olivia Allen Lind. And she's just adorable. And this and, t- and tell us again, it airs when? Christmas? It's going to air again on Christmas. It's currently on Hulu. And it already aired a few times on NBC. And uh, again, not perfect, but I can't help but give this an endorsement and I'll admit, I might be partial because I love Dolly, but I really, really enjoyed Coat of Many Colors. Okay, Kristen, it's that time. Ugh, trivia time! What was last week's trivia? So last week, we were talking about Lady in the Van. This is the new movie starring Dame Maggie Smith. That's right. As a lady in a van. She lives in this yellow van that she decides to park in some poor writer's driveway. Stays in that van on that driveway for 15 years. I love that. (laughs) And we got to thinking about other movies where there are yellow vans that factor in very heavily into the plot. So we played a clip of this movie. Grandpa? Yeah. Am I pretty? Olive? You are the most beautiful girl in the whole world. (laughs) You're just saying that? No, I'm not. I'm madly in love with you. And it's not because of your brains or your personality. It's because you're beautiful. Inside and out. We asked you to identify that movie with a yellow van, and we got this answer. Hi, guys. This is Hallie from Seattle, Washington. Um, I just got a speeding ticket, so I always listen to your podcast to cheer me up, and I'm trying to win the thingy, and I'm blanking on what it's called. But anyway, Eternal, no, Little Miss Sunshine. (laughs) Sorry. I'm out of it. All right. Thanks. Bye. That's right, Little Miss Sunshine. And oh, sorry hell, about that. Wow. Uh, sorry about that speeding ticket. That's a bummer. But gosh, that makes me happy that you want to listen to us after getting a speeding ticket. I know. That's if everybody great. in the world listened to us after they got speeding tickets, what kind of world would it be, Rayford? <laughs> it, would be a, it would be a great world. It would be a great world. I got a speeding ticket last time I was in New Mexico. I got a speeding ticket in a in a tribal territory. Really? Yeah. Wow, were you out running UFOs? What happened? No, I was just, I just, just, you know, New Yorker slamming through New Mexico. I felt really bad about it too. I felt oh, like, I felt like kind of a jerk. Because the kids were in the car, right? Yeah, the kids. I mean, I wasn't going like you know a cabillion miles an hour. I was, I was supposed to be going thirty, and I was going, I don't know, forty or something. I don't oh, know. That's what. not that bad. It wasn't horrible, but I still felt like I don't know. I felt bad about it. Anyway, I, 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 know I once the feeling. got stopped for driving one hundred and ten miles per hour. One hundred and ten. Well, they pulled me over and they said, "Young lady, do you know how fast you were driving?" And I said. No, because I didn't want to say 110. Yeah. And the police officer said, you were driving 90 miles per hour. Hmm. So he cut whatever, you some slack. Whatever, yeah, whatever they had on their speed thingamajig, their radar or whatever, was not even correct. So I'm wow. glad I didn't say 110. Was it a school zone? <laughs> no, it was in the middle of the Dakotas. I was driving. <laughs> it was like you. I'm like, oh, I'm in, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm yeah, just going right. to drive fast. Yeah. Right. And I was in college. I was a kid. Well, I know the feeling. Anyway, we're, we're glad if we cheered you up, Hallie. <laughs> and pay that ticket. Don't let it sit around. Yeah. You'll okay. Get in trouble later. So this, uh, this week's trivia, we're going to go for Star Wars trivia, of course. There's just, we just, we had to. Uh, we'll try to get a little creative. We're going to go back, back, back to the original Star Wars, 1977. The first time any of us saw or heard a TIE fighter. You know those ships? They're the ones with the flat wings. They're the ones that the Empire guys uh, fly around and try to kill the X-wing guys. So TIE fighter, very interesting backstory about its sound. Take a listen to what it sounds like. Yeah! 
very distinctive sound. There's a few ingredients in that sound, including traffic being recorded through a metal tube, but there's also an animal in there somewhere. If you know what that animal is, give us a call, 5717-MOVIES. Or you can message us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. <laughs>